Welcome to the Unity Works Podcast, where we'll share positive insight on today's topical and sometimes controversial topics. The discussion is shaped through the lens of unity and acceptance while focusing on our community, families, and the workplace. Life works better when we come together. Here's your host, Daryl Ross. Hello and welcome to the Unity Works Podcast. So excited that you're here. I'm your host, Daryl Ross. Today, we're talking about a challenging topic, cancer, unity in the fight. You know, I can't think of a scarier word than cancer. I feel confident to say that almost everyone listening right now has been impacted by cancer, whether it be directly a spouse, child, maybe someone in your family, a friend, even a coworker. So I'm just truly honored to have a guest interview, Jim Fershey, who was open to sharing his journey with cancer. Jim is a longtime friend, husband, father, and praise God, cancer survivor. So Unity Works family, please welcome Jim Fershey. Jim, how you doing, friend? I'm good, my friend. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm so glad you were available and we could talk about this. But, you know, I got to say first, because... I got to let people know where you live. I'll let you share this because there's so many people, you know, you work with and they kind of say, I'm going to pick up all my stuff and move to, you know, blank. I won't say it. You're going to say it. (laughs) But you actually did it. Like how many people can say this? So just tell the listeners, where do you live and how did you first fall in love with that area? Yeah. So I am incredibly blessed to live in Honolulu, Hawaii. Woohoo! Yeah. The island of Oahu. And I first landed here right after I got out of high school, um, came here on a vacation, and I can honestly say without reservation that I wasn't even out of the airport when I knew I was home. And I'm talking about this was in 1980, and uh, so I just dated myself. But um, yeah, I, I knew that I would always live here. This always had a special place in my heart, and I never really vacationed anywhere else. I always, whenever I got the, the chance, I, I moved here. Yeah, it's amazing. You, you and I have known each other for, you know, what, 20 plus years. And yeah. I remember you saying years ago, when I first met you, I'm moving to Hawaii one day. Like I, And I kind of <laughs> thought, yeah, you know, we all are, right? <laughs> but you did it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was in 2011. This is, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the market crashed in 09 and everything went south. And I was building custom homes at the time and, you know, I couldn't even buy a remodel after that happened. And, uh, you know, my wife and I both decided if we're going to move anywhere, we're going to go where um, we both love. Uh, my wife had actually worked here before. And, um, yeah, we put it up to prayer and, and uh, just aligned ourselves to try to get over here. And, you know, God made that happen. And we've been here almost 10 years now. Yeah, that's awesome. And, yes, your lovely wife, Chelsea, your daughter, Berlin, and you are now living the dream. You know, you're on the island and you're you're doing well. Your business is thriving. And like I've said before to many of my friends, when we were talking about, you know, anyone going through a challenging time, you know, you always ask the question, well, you know, how were they before? Were they healthy or any struggles? And I can truly say you've always been a very healthy guy, you know? So what was your first symptom or sign that you might have a health concern? And how did you learn you actually had cancer? Um, yeah, February 2013, I actually felt a lump in my throat. Um, it's kind of where the lymph nodes are in the upper neck area. And, you know, you know, when you get sick, you, 
you know, your lymph nodes will swell up and you feel like, oh, I got an infection coming on. And that's exactly what I thought it was. And I didn't have a doctor here. We had just moved here. And I called a doctor friend of mine in Reno, where we're from. And I told him about it. He said, yeah, you're probably trying to fight something. So I'll send you some amoxicillin. And he did that. And I took it for a few days and then found out I was allergic to it. My eyes started to swell shut. And I called the doctor and he said, yeah, yeah, stop taking it. And, you know, how's the lump? And I said, it didn't touch it. He said, hmm, that's not good. He goes, you need to go ahead and look at it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I just started a business here. I just moved here, just started a business. I had no insurance. My wife didn't work, you know, taking care of a two-year-old baby. And, um, you know, my first thought was, I can't go in and get this looked at. Because if it is something bad, I'll never get insurance again. Because this is way before, you know, Obamacare and all that stuff where they allowed the pre-existing conditions. So I was really concerned that, you know, this could be something serious and I'd never get insurance. So. Unfortunately, I waited. I knew my wife was going to start working that summer, and uh, I knew that she was going to have benefits. So I said, you know, I'll just write it out. So I, I found out about it in February. You know, that's how I saw the lump, and I didn't get diagnosed until October. And, um, yeah, I got uh, got checked out, and they said, yeah, you have stage four throat cancer. You need to go into treatment immediately. My goodness. So you're you're sitting there, and they just told you, you have stage four cancer, you know, now, you know, and I got to ask you, you know, what were your first thoughts? I mean, you're married, there's Chelsea there, your beautiful daughter, Berlin. Did you even have time to digest what you heard? What were your feelings at that time? Uh, well, the first thing was, is the first thing that struck me as odd is how easily the doctor said it. It's like I had heard it a hundred times before. That, that was the first thing that caught me up. I was like, well, you just said that and you didn't even blink. And, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but I think it was disbelief. The first thing was, no, you, you got this wrong. It's, I have no pain. I have, you know, besides a little lump in my throat, I feel great. You're, you're wrong. And then secondly, of course, it was my wife and daughter. I was like, wait a minute. If this is right, um, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this to be over. And, yeah, it was, that was a pretty emotional time. I mean. I don't, I don't think anybody hearing that would, uh, would not think about it that way. It's all, it's, for some reason, it just made everything final, which is uh, pretty strange. Did you at that time know, or did the doctor mention the stages? Like, I think we now know stage four is obviously more serious than stage one, but like, what did they say in terms of your, your likelihood of, of moving on with a healthy and happy life? They mentioned that at all at that point? Well, you know, they they don't really want to promise anything. Um, you know, obviously you want to dig and dig and dig and say, hey, you know, is this going to be okay? Is it going to, you know, and they first tell you, well, you know, everybody reacts differently to the treatment and it just depends on what type of throat cancer you have, but, you know, what percentage is curable. You know, I wasn't a smoker, you know, so that ruled out one type of cancer. So all of that stuff we didn't know. I mean, I had, uh, they did find out that the, the uh, the cancer was isolated to a tonsil, so once they were able to do a biopsy on it, they could dig further. But at first, they're pretty much yeah, we got to take this day by day. Got it. So now you have to have surgery, and tell us about that. Was there a prep? Was there time after they told you before the surgery? How soon? What was surgery like? Well, um, you know, he, he like I said, he told me I needed to get in the treatment immediately, and the first thing would be to remove the host which the host was, uh, they knew that it was in tonsil. But 
I told them uh, at the time, I said, look, I, my mom at the time was dying of lung cancer. She was on hospice in California. And I, since I didn't know how this was going to go, I didn't know, if, you know, am I going to live through this? I didn't know. I, I told them I wanted to go back and see my family first. So I did that. I, I told them I wanted to postpone a week and at least get to go see my mom. Uh, like I said, it was dying and, uh, you know, just reconcile with my family. And I didn't tell them uh, that I had cancer because I didn't, that's the last thing I wanted to burden my mom with going through what she was going through. And I didn't tell my dad. So I just kind of made it as a, just a trip to say hi. Uh, and just kind of feel like I could tie out some loose ends just in case. And then a week, a week later I went and had the surgery and it was really nothing. I mean, you know, I was in there for half a day, had the surgery, went home that night and it was just, you know, having a tonsil removed. Um, yeah, I mean, the next day I took my daughter trick or treating. So it was pretty uneventful. Well, you got through that and I know it's challenging. Yeah, you're right. You were, you're always juggling other factors. I mean, you're going through this, you have the concerns of your, your mom and your dad and, you know, now that next stage hits where we've all kind of heard about chemotherapy and the major side effects. And we also know that side effects are different, as you said, for different people. But how was your experience with chemo and how often did you go? And what was that like? Um, well, I actually had to get chemo and radiation. And, um, you know, some doctors would recommend one or the other or both. And because of the stage, which is four, which is severe, they recommended that I do both. And so I took their advice. The radiation was every day. Um, so I did five days a week of radiation uh, for two months. And then chemotherapy was once every other week, I believe, uh, for two months. And that was, it was brutal. I mean, I, uh, uh, the radiation uh, knocked me off kilter. It just made me dizzy all the time. And it just felt funny. Um, it wasn't really painful. But the chemo just, and that I had a drug called cisplatin. It's a platinum-based drug, and it's very powerful. And basically what they're doing is they're trying to kill everything inside your body that's not supposed to be there while keeping you alive. And, uh, you know, I lost 30 pounds in less than two months. I couldn't eat. You know, you're throwing up all the time. And uh, the funny thing about it is, you know, after all that stuff you go through, right, you know, it's typical. You, all you can do is lay on the couch and throw up and, there's really nothing you can do, but during the course of it, I got hiccups really bad. And uh, it's funny, nobody ever told me I was going to get hiccups, but uh, it lasted for three days. And I, I seriously thought I'm going to die from hiccups because I could not sleep. You, you can't do anything. It's, it's, it's like somebody like tapping on your forehead all day long, 24-7. You just cannot get rid of it. And I thought, man, what a way to go. I'm going to die from hiccups. It's crazy. And... Uh, yeah, oddly enough, I went for a radiation treatment and the doctor said, how long you had the hiccups? And I said, well, it started Friday. And, you know, of course, this was Monday. And uh, he goes, well, did they give you anything? And I said, no, nobody's even talking about it. He said, well, here, he gave me a prescription. It was gone in like two hours. So that was awesome. Oh, goodness. You know what's funny? I remember, yeah, years ago, you and I catching up on the phone and you did mention that one of the worst parts of this was hiccups. And I yeah. remember thinking, what are you talking about, dude? You're going through chemo and radiation, but you're right. <laughs> When you're in that state, that's probably like this, you know, razor blades going off and you couldn't stop it. I do recall you saying that. Oh, my goodness. So now you're you're going through this day by day. And when did you get to the point to where you kind of knew 
that you were cancer free? Did you, they let you loose or how did that work? You can't say you're cancer free for at least five years. So every, at first, uh, when I was out of treatment, every six months I would get a test and they would do a scan and just make sure nothing came back. And they say, the longer you go with a positive scan, the better your chances are. And they say most cancers will return in the first couple of years if it's going to come back. And they say, but after five years, if nothing comes back, then you're pretty much in remission. And I, and I, I learned this, that none of us are really cancer-free. We all have that in our body. It's just waiting for a time to manifest. And normally it's times of stress, um, you know, poor health, poor diet, whatever. Um, cancer just waits for a time to take hold. And it, the interesting thing about that is when the doctor told me that, that there's an incubation period about four or five years before you even have a symptom, I dated it right back to where, um, you know, I was a custom home builder and the market had crashed. I had two homes that weren't finished being built. I was pouring money into trying to save the homes and the project, and my daughter was born at the same time. So that's a lot. That's a lot of stress and stuff that I really didn't think about back then, but when I did the timeline, it went right back to that time in my life when everything was upside down. So, so look, I would imagine, you know, there's some really scary days, but uh, through it all, and what I want this podcast to be about is why I call it you know, unity in the fight, because we all kind of fight differently. We all kind of find that within us. And some people rely on, you know, friends, family, God, I'm assuming that's where you are. You can tell me in a moment, but what about you? Like, what was your fight? How did you dig in and how did you manage mentally, emotionally to get through this? Well, you know, I, you know, coming to know Christ, I know that, you know, this is all God's plan to begin with. You know, the fact that I came here and you know, this this was all ordained way in the beginning. And uh, I grew up in a Catholic church, had faith in God, and I can honestly say that I didn't lead a godlier spiritual life. Um, and when I moved to Hawaii, I was invited to attend a church by a good friend here, and that was the first time I actually heard the gospel. You know, not a watered-down version, you know, man-infused version of what we think it should be, but it was the gospel. And that that changed my path completely. And I saw that in the people in the church, the way they lived their lives, the way they loved people, you know, especially, you know, which, like you say, unity. I mean, these people, uh, they live the life glorifying God instead of themselves. And that's, that's very, that's very rare. I mean, and that was a real life changer for me. And, uh, you know, when I got diagnosed, a prayer request went out through the church and the whole congregation knew, and we were new there. And, um, the most powerful moment for me was uh one day a woman came up to me and she cut my face in her hand looked me right in the eyes and said we love you and we're going to take care of you and your family and dude i could have fell down i I, to this day when i think about that moment i get choked up because that's never happened that's i mean it's it's people in your life that God puts in your life to show his love for you. You know, that's, I, I think that's the unity part is, you know, obviously God is with us, but not in a, in a physical sense where we can, you know, interact with him, but through his people, we can feel his presence. And, uh, yeah, and that's, that was the whole church rallying behind us. I mean, they, they, every day 
somebody was bringing over a cooked meal. I couldn't eat, but kept my wife and daughter well-fed while my wife didn't have to worry about cooking. And I mean, we were at a point where we were like full, like we cannot take this anymore. There's just so many people just trying to help us out. And it was wonderful, but at the same time, it was like, oh my gosh, just to be so overwhelmed with that kind of care and love. And um, it was encouraging for me to know that, man, if, if I died today, my wife and daughter are going to be fine. These people are loving on them more than I ever could. And it was, it was wonderful. It was, it was just incredible. I, I already know because you've told me, but share with the listeners, like, what a support system your wife has been throughout this entire process. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think through, you know, she was concerned. She thought I was holding back on it. She, she would ask me numerous times, are you dying? Are you, are you you're just not telling me? You know, is there something that you're not telling me? Because, you know, she every day saw me getting weaker and weaker and um, more frail. And, you know, she had to actually feed me with a feeding tube because I couldn't eat. And, uh, but I think if, if it wasn't for, um, the, the support of the church and all of the friends that we had here, and even on the mainland that the people just reaching out and, and just giving words of encouragement that supported her enough that, you know, she could be an encouragement to me. And, um, you know, it, it kept her going as well. I mean, it was obviously very, very difficult for her to watch, especially having a, you know, a two-year-old, um, not knowing what the future is going to hold, you know, it's, it was, that's pretty heavy, but, uh, we had an excellent support system and it, it, it's just all about the people that, you know, you're connected with. That is awesome. Just tell me this. Finally, what are your words of encouragement for anyone struggling with any health concern, but specifically cancer? Um, that's a great question. I mean, um, I, I can only speak for myself. I, you know, everybody's got a different walk. And I, I think what was important to me was first to realize who I was and what role I had here. And I was, you knew me well enough to know that I was always a hyper type A personality. I can do anything. If I want to do it, I'll do it. And nothing's going to stop me and blah, 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 blah. But cancer taught me I control nothing. Um, if, if I could, I, I, I would have, and I can't. And, and that was a great, uh, humbling experience for me to know, and it's also very um, it lifted a big weight off me knowing that I don't control anything. This is all in God's hand. And when I say, you know, realizing who you are and what role you have here is, you know, it, it taught me that I'm a child of God. We all are. We don't control anything. And, but by His love, grace, and mercy, we can endure anything. And it was it was very insightful for me, and unfortunately, I had to learn it that way. You know, going through cancer, God will use times in our life to to speak to you. Um, it's for God's glory, not ours. Um, I, I would recommend that people seek to know God and who He is before you fall in hard times or before it's too late, and 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 get to know how much He cares and how much He loves us. And, It'll help you through those hard times. It may not give you what you want, but you definitely get what you need. Well, thank you so much, Jim. I just appreciate you, your honesty and transparency. There are so many people struggling in this area with their health and specifically cancer and their life for their family. So I pray your story can be a blessing to others. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much, friend. Hey, thank you, Daryl. Thanks for having me. And I hope that uh, anybody who's going through this stuff is just lean on God and, uh, and uh, he'll, he'll get you through it. He'll get you through it. 
Well, Unity Works, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, I want to thank Jim Fershey for his story. And remember, as Jim said, in times of struggle, lean into God, lean on your friends, share what you're going through. They'll be there to support you. Remember, share this episode. Many people want to hear this story. Life works better when we come together. Talk to you all next week.